0: Some of this seeing is a failure of, or or a particular, maybe it's not a failure, maybe it's a well-executed kind of (laughs) discipleship, right? Um, A mangled Christian formation in the West that has entangled itself in white supremacy um, rather than being participating in God's overcoming evil with good.
1: Welcome to all God's children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity, race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlette Thomas. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. On today's podcast, I am joined by Drew Hart. Drew Hart is an assistant professor of theology at Messiah University, the director of Thriving Together, Congregations for Racial Justice program, and co-host of Inverse Podcast. Today we will discuss police brutality, the use of cameras in the work of visibility, and discipleship that practices accountability. Join us in the Amen Corner because we could use more witnesses as we discuss Christ's Body Camera. But first, will not you pray for us? And you pray with me. All-seeing God, who sees it all though you don't have eyes in the back of your head, who is never up to your eyeballs and work, help us to do this body work because we have blind shots and we take cheap shots instead of healing and helping all the members of this body. We confess that you see it all, beam and eye, Thorn in flesh, we confess that we need a fresh pair of eyes. Because we crossed our hearts and were supposed to die in those baptismal waters, to individualism and to the dominating forces of this world. Siblings keeper, we weren't supposed to go down easy, decreasing for political gain. We weren't supposed to step aside and to look the other way, allowing the powerful to feast on the impoverished and marginalized. Instead, we are to keep up with the pace of Jesus, who did not step over the naked, half-dead traveler left on the side of the road. We may need to thumb a ride to Calvary. This is what it means to take the high road. Help us to see this spiritual life from the right angle and to see the biggest picture framed to include all God's children. We pray that we might be found in the right light on and off camera. As the body of Christ, may his body be arrested. May his feet be found protesting. May his body bear witness to injustice wherever and whenever it is found. In the name of Jesus, convicted by false witnesses, we pray. Amen. When I was growing up in the South, in the early 1990s when we left messages on a physical answering machine. During the worship service, persons offered a testimony. It was a weekly update on how God was at work in our lives. We began first giving honor to God, who is the head of my life, to the pastor, visitors, saints, and friends. Well, today I want to testify about Christ's body camera. I just want to say their names before we assassinate their character and prematurely assign blame because the law is not on their side. Instead, in the case of my brother George Floyd, it was on his neck. Whose report would you have believed if it were not for a video camera? Hit record. For Ahmaud Arbery, he was not viewed as a law-abiding citizen. no. That's what his neighbors who stalked, shot, and killed him claimed they were. For Brianna Taylor, soundly sleeping, but whose last night on earth was a nightmare. For Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, who took a trip to the store and whose bodies picked up bullets on the way home. For Dante Wright, who was pulled over for having an air freshener or expired car registration tags or for an outstanding warrant who died because the officer claimed she didn't know the difference between a loaded gun and a taser. And a Tatiana Jefferson, who was seen as a threat in her own home. And Sandra Bland, whose death is suspicious, ruled a suicide after a traffic stop. And Philando Castile, who bled out as his girlfriend and her small child bore witness. And 12-year-old Tamir Rice shot in seconds, not enough time to think twice. And... 17-year-old Laquan McDonnell, who was shot 16 times, and Eric Garner, who said, I can't breathe, and Sean Bell, who never got to say I do, and Amadou Diallo, whose wallet looked like a weapon. For sweet, sweet Elijah McClain, who was placed in a chokehold. It chokes me up every time I think of him. The police said their body cameras fell off during the exchange. Say their names. Rakia Boyd, Adam Toledo, Walter Scott, Andrew Brown Jr., Rayshard Brooks, Flint Farmer, Oscar Grant, Rodney King, and Emmett Till. He was just 15 years old. This is why we should keep a record and keep count like Ida B. Wells Barnett did of lynchings in her day. This is all out of order, not evidence of law and order. Let their blood cry from the ground. Let them have their say. And may Rachel weep on country roads and in city streets until we look at these cameras that record what we don't want to see, what we can't stand to believe about our own hands and feet. Because where were we when they were left to die on the side of the road? Our scripture reading is Amos chapter 5, and verses 21 through 24. and reads this way in the New Revised Standard Version. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. Fellowship Southwest is a network of churches organized around compassion. FSW is agile, ecumenical, and willing to do whatever it takes to serve people in need. Their network includes all kinds of churches, and they like it that way. At FSW, your church can be itself, and your mission can be multiplied. Learn more at fellowshipsouthwest.org. American Baptist Home Mission Societies is your partner in mission and ministry, empowering God's people for today's real-life challenges. Through continuing education that sharpens ministry skills, mission trips that put faith into action, and a virtual platform for ministry professionals to network and learn from one another, American Baptist Home Mission Societies helps you live your faith every day. Visit American Baptist Home Mission Societies at abhms.org to find out more. Pastors for Children mobilizes the faith community for public education support and advocacy. They have affiliates in Texas, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, Florida, North Carolina, and Alabama. You can find them, Pastors for Children, on Facebook and Twitter, and learn more at pastorsforchildren.com. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. Welcome Drew Hart. He is the author of Trouble I've Seen: Changing the Way the Church Views Racism. And who will be a witness? igniting activism for God's justice, love, and deliverance. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response, a sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as official members of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss Christ's body camera. Uh, See no evil. Uh, but Dante Wright, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, Botham Jean, Laquan McDonald, Sandra Bland, Philando Castile, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Sean Bell, and so many others. mean, it feels like a dark cloud of witnesses. Hmm. Um, in many cases, these deaths are filmed by innocent bystanders or captured on body cameras. Why then do Christians see things differently? when there are accusations and clear and overwhelming evidence of police brutality and extrajudicial killing? Yeah. Why? Why?
0: Yeah. Great question. And first, just um, I'm just grateful to be in conversation with you again. It's been a little while, so I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's a heavy question, and I think there's, I mean, multiple layers to it, right? So hopefully I'll, I'll, come, I'll get to your answer, right? Take a circle. Uh, Because I think there's multiple things we have to think about. First, I think, is the fact that uh, we have this perception that what we see with our eyes is just neutral and objective, right? I mean, I think that that's just a taken-for-granted assumption that we think, oh, it's our eyes, it is what is in front of us, and that's all there is to it. But it's just simply not true, right? There's all sorts of even, like, racial bias tests that have shown that what people... Um, respond to with their eyes, right? Intuitively um, is in fact, deeply racialized. Like there's these filters yeah. that there's other things going on. And so seeing itself is not even a neutral act, right? Just that Seeing is not believing. Yeah. And so that's one uh. thing I think. Um, on top of that, then one of the big things I'm always interested in, and it shows it probably more in my first book is the idea of knowing in our standpoint and how that shapes us, right? That first book is Trouble I've um, yeah, Seen. Trouble it's I've Seen. It's just as brilliant. Yeah. It's and, just as brilliant. And so, you know, we have to grapple with our own standpoints, our lived experiences, and even the communities that shape us most. Um, and how those things shape how we interpret the world also, right? Um, right? So people who witness a car crash from different standpoints, right, will frequently describe that very different with a whole variety of different versions of what just happened, Mm. right? So even just that alone, right? In terms of where we position ourselves is gonna shape Mm. what we see and how we describe what's happening around us. And so our own past experiences uh, will filter what we see communities um, that have been deeply racialized um, in terms of their own sense of identity and belonging and ways of being in the world. Uh, will also internalize group myths and ideologies that are gonna shape what people hear, see, believe, take for granted, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's another level. Um, So to answer your question then, Christians that have been discipled to think that they are neutral and objective and that have an all knowing and universal standpoint from which they can make sense of the world, um, to interpret the world and those who have received uh, myths and ideologies right that yeah that um had them identify more with the nation states right <laughs> than <laughs> than those who have their backs against the wall
1: um, yeah
0: yeah more with the crucifiers than the crucified of come, the on, world, right? come on howard um, thurman come on come th- on they're gonna interpret these events with all that inertia working behind them in the background yeah. like that's just the inevitable reality um yeah. I-, I even think about like um the book uh, white too long. uh, And Ah, one of uh the interesting points, you know, his one chapter, he does like all this stuff around like polls and polling and stuff like that. And one of the things, I mean, it's it's kind of devastating that one particular chapter, I think at least, because the takeaway is that folks who identify as white and Christian were actually more likely to hold racist views than folks who were white and non Christian. Right. Yeah. Because um, they go together. Yeah, they go together. Like, like his point. He's like, look, if you're recruiting for a neo-Nazi or KKK <laughs> rally. You better. You have a better chance going to the white church parking lot than oh, yeah. Starbucks, right? I oh mean, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and so and so we have to think about, you know, that some of this seeing is a failure of. Or, or a particular, maybe it's not a failure. Maybe it's a well-executed kind of <laughs> discipleship, right? Um, a mangled Christian formation in the West that yeah. has entangled itself in white supremacy, um, rather than being a, participating in God's overcoming evil with good, right? And so it's mm. out of that that people are seeing. That's that's the legacy. That's that a lot. See and, and, and operate out of, yeah.
1: That's a lot for us to unpack, uncover and untangle and unravel yeah it's a lot of blind spots it's
0: a lot there's so many gaps so many gaps
1: so when we talk about race it's not over this is not a one-time conversation Mm -hmm. Uh, and we are in no way are we colorblind or Mm post-racial it's just that's not what this is about you know uh this book is fire this, I mean the cover the cover has it but uh, in your book who will be a witness you share a story uh, relate to your wife relate to you by your wife Renee about a member uh, who's not interested in that social justice stuff air quotes uh, being a part of a sermon. Uh, in your estimation, what accounts for the discrepancy, the distance, the disconnect between the North American church's witness and the repeated testimonies of police brutality in marginalized and minoritized communities. Uh, Why doesn't the North American church amplify these voices, repeat after them, uh, sound more like them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I kind of touched on the point around discipleship already uh, in Mm -hmm. the United States. You know, it's leading more to socialization into dominant cultural myths than into God's in breaking So, But I would go, let's go one step deeper then and say then at the root of the problem is not... um, is not being reoriented around the gospel, right? Now, I know at first people are like, "Oh wait, right, is he one of those guys that are just like, just preach the gospel? No, that's not where I'm going, right? I'm not pushing that-
1: Stay with him, American he's going to bless
0: you. evangelicalism or conservative reform thing that just says, just preach the gospel and everything else will fall into place. That's not what I'm getting at. Um, just so, you know, in case anybody was right about to shut off your podcast, right? right <laughs> now, hold on a second. Stay Give with him, stay with Give me a, him. Give me, him. a chance. Um, I guess what I want to say, though, is um, that American Christians don't know what the gospel is, right, is the starting point of the problem. They don't know what the gospel is, they haven't been transformed by the gospel, and they don't embody it, right? Um, Yeah. And so for me, like, it's important that we distinguish, you know, how people popularly talk about the gospel than what I understand it to be. The gospel is not a persuasive sales pitch that one must accept mm. to escape hell and eternal torment, right? That's how I think mm. many people think of it. Uh, but it's the good news of Jesus, his birth, his life, his teachings, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and the reign that he has inaugurated, right? that, that Sir, is- So they can't buy
1: that water? They can't put their hands on the television and the miracle come? We, we can't. Don't, don't buy the prayer cloth. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, you know, I would save my money Sir? for something else. Give, <laughs> give that to the poor, right? As Jesus would say. Um, And so if that's the case, you know, if, if the story of Jesus is the gospel yeah. and the story invites us into a truly human life, um, despite the death and evil drawing us away from beloved community with God then, and with one another in creation, um, and that life-giving story forms us to be attentive to the least and to the last and lost in society, um, to the poor, the vulnerable, the Samaritans, the uh, vulnerable women in our midst excluded, the stigmatized, right? If that's what uh-huh, is uh-huh. a part of, not the only thing happening, but one important, significant aspect of the Jesus story, um, in God's reign, the first the last and last, the first in this story, Jesus clashes with evil and ultimately death and overcomes all of it, right? Um, And so, like, American Christians don't get disciples into that story. No, not at all. They don't get disciples into that story. um, And many more are formed significantly more into the myth of American exceptionalism, right? Like, that's the orienting story, that helps people make sense of their lives it makes sense that's the conversion of narrative yeah
1: exactly that's the conversion narrative we have a lot of body work to do then
0: yep yep absolutely so so if this nonviolent revolutionary story has been domesticated and the radicality of jesus has been, I always call it colonized and converted into the, a mascot of the status quo, right? That's Jesus has been converted <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. into a mascot of the status quo. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, um, American exceptionalism will always, it will always lead you to receive a, a different set of stories, whose lived experiences you're going to receive, right? Who you're going to yeah. be attentive to. Um, you can see real quickly what kind of story you've been formed by based on who you're drawn to, who you uh, listen to, who you make, t- who you attentive to in your life. Right. Yeah. Um, is it the powerful or the disinherited? Right. Like uh, it, it's, it, it, there's, it's very clear. I think in terms of like, you can watch and literally see someone's life and you can get a sense of the kind of story that is animating and orienting their life. And I guess that. For American Christians, um, you know, the, the mascot for the status quo, who they call Jesus, but is not Jesus, um, well. has them identifying with those who are most powerful and the wealthy. And so I think it, th- that's the magnetic pull on their lives based on the story that they're living into.
1: Mm, such a good answer. Such a rich answer. Um, so why can't this body work together? to address, to bring visibility and, and justice to cases of hyper surveillance, abuse of power and deadly force in community. Uh, what would be a practice of discipleship that holds itself and others in power accountable the, for the safety of their neighbor? What would that look like?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, what does it look like for a people to have encountered God? Um, <laughs> the God that has revealed God's self as a God of justice and deliverance. Right. Yeah. And for their individual and collective lives to then participate in that and explicitly in the way God has revealed God's self in the person of Jesus. Right. So that a part of what it will look like is making visible the Jesus story. Right. Um, in the same way that Jesus' his story exposes, let's say, like the evils of capital punishment, right? I mean, we get it. Yeah. It, both first. Come on. In the cousin, right, with John the Baptist. Me and Shane talked about that. Right? You
1: You'll hear him. Right. Me and Shane talked about that yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, I sir.
0: Mean, so if it exposes it in in, in with John the Baptist and then Jesus, right? Yeah. Literally, yeah. God revealed in Jesus Christ. Um, and so Jesus, like we see, like. like Again, like I love it, was it in Hebrews too, where he's like, you know, like we don't see all things under God's right, but we do see Jesus, Uh, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They don't preach every time, right? Um, (laughs) What does it mean to turn and to see Jesus in the way that he lived and embodied his life as the way to reimagine how to embody our own lives on the ground? um, So that he prophetically names and confronts the Jerusalem establishments, right? And as as it's partnering Mm. with Rome, right, to maintain the status Mm. quo. And Teach we too must embody. We we need a church that is mobilized for justice, right? Engaging yeah. in nonviolent resistance, community organizing, yeah. protest movements, um, and, and to see that that's a part of the church work on the grounds at the grassroots level is that these, are discipleship matters precisely because we've been listening to Amos who understood, he called Mm. that, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like ever flowing streams, right? He understood, uh, we've been paying attention to Jesus's first sermon, right? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight the blind, to let the oppressed go free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so I feel like, you know, um, the first aspect of it is to both then, grasp, to see Jesus, to see who, to get a revelation of God, right? Not uh, just our taking uh-huh. for, for granted perceptions of who God is, but really how God has self-disclosed himself to us and then to participate in who God has revealed to us, who God has disclosed yeah. and to join in the spirit's activity, right? The spirit is at work, yeah. alive, moving, healing, restoring. Yeah. How are we yielding and attentive to what the spirit is up to and joining in with God at work? Come on. Lives, right.
1: What the spirit is up to.
0: So, so yeah, I, I do, I believe that the local church has to be, um, grounded in God's active peace making and justice. Um, and it ought to be, watch this now, equipping well? the saints just as much in nonviolent resistance as it is in the ushers' ministry, right? Well, hey. speak a word. Hey, you know what I mean? You're preaching
1: so hard, I'm sweating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, uh, Just our imagination of what it means to be the That's church right. together, the community That's right. embodied on the ground, uh, with and for our neighbors, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Man, that's good. That's good. We've talked a lot about power and the powerful. So uh, uh, rather than taking selfies with the powerful, Mm. uh, if the body of Christ wore a camera, where would this body of believers be seen? And likewise, where should Christ's body, his hands and feet be? What say you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully by now everyone knows where I'm going, right? Um, well, <laughs> like the same places <laughs> Jesus was found, right? Uh-huh. Um, in uh-huh. the margins, in the cracks, and the edges yes. of society, right? That we would be found uh-huh. on the underside of the empire just like Jesus was. He was a first century Palestinian mm-hmm. Jew living under Roman mm-hmm. occupation, right? Um, we would be the prophets in the wilderness. We would be among yes. the masses of poor and vulnerable people of the earth. We would be among the crucified, knowing that somehow yes. when we encounter Christ, we do so sacramentally, right?
1: Yeah. Through our solidarity
0: yeah. with those that are the disinherited of the earth. And so, yeah, that's where it's it's easy again. When we're immersed slowly and repeatedly in the story of Jesus um, then, then we're drawn to these places. Uh, we're attentive. The spirits, whether it be gently guiding us or sometimes forcefully, like Jesus is forcefully mm. sent out into the wilderness, right? The spirit's going to get us to where we need to be if we're yielding ah. to what God is doing in the world.
1: Drew, that's good. That's real good. Last question, last question. Uh, George Floyd's murder was filmed by a teenager. Mm. Our dear sister, uh, Darnella Frazier Her body and her camera challenged the stereotypical narrative of fear and panic, uh, most often used to justify the murder of African-American people. Uh, In light of her bravery and her example, what does it mean to be a witness? What does the North American church need to be delivered from in order to be a witness for social justice and why? What is our bodywork?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, the word witness, um in the church certainly has been a word that has been often domesticated and misunderstood mm-hmm. and um you know with great risk i used it in my um in the title of my book but um mm-hmm. but but the word witness i mean it's really rooted in this in this idea of martyr like that's what martyr means right is a witness um yes. And usually we just think about martyrs as people who are killed, right? That's how we think of it. That's the meaning. Mm-hmm. Of That's not, the meaning is witness. Uh, and when mm-hmm. we think of it in that way um, and think about martyrs as those who, who were people that bore witness to the truth by living it out, not just talking it but by embodying it. Um, they bear witness faithfully and embody it without allowing even the threat of death um, to mm. deter them, right? So mm. fully um, that they bear witness. And and so that kind of witness, let us it's revolution. It's dangerous, right? That's what we're talking Absolutely. about Absolutely, It's a dangerous Absolutely. way of being in the world, both dangerous in terms of there's the possibility of consequences that come from clashing with evil, right? But I'm mm-hmm. talking about even dangerous for the status quo itself. It's threatening that's the right. system, right? That's right, um, that's right and it's that kind of witness that grounds our existence um our convictions our ethics our ways of being in the world um our capacity to conceive of god's dream for all of creation um, rather than stuck in the logics and expectations of (laughs) opposite to god's dream right uh, the nightmare that so many people yeah. have lived in and under and within and navigated too frequently not only here in the united states but all around the world right um mm-hmm. so what, what do we need to be delivered from is i mean there's so much right i mean we could go on and on for oh. that but but i think for this conversation certainly um white supremacy religious nationalism ah. economic greed and competition Um, participating in the cycles of violence, right, that we often take for granted as the way the world works. Um, We need Mm. to be delivered from the ways that we've been socialized in the world, literally formed, right, into the world. Yeah. Um, The ways that we see and interpret the world, uh, the ways that we cling to power and disregard those who disproportionately suffer. Um, But I would also say, like, it's not only what we... um, what we are delivered from, but also what we're being delivered into, right?
1: Yes, uh, yes, that We're being yes. delivered
0: into beloved community, into the community yeah. of creation, into God's shalom, right, um, where yes. everyone understands that we are interconnected um, and that our well-being and our flourishing are bound up in one another, and that God's dream is a, is comprehensive of all of mm. our lives. And that we have to conceive of that as well and so yeah so some of our body work um is to bear witness to that to that future that god has for us that's right and to live in the present right now radically boldly and inviting other people to catch a glimpse of that dream as well
1: sounds like we're answering jesus's prayer yeah your kingdom come yep that's exceptional thank you brother drew it has been a pleasure and an honor I promise you, y'all, y'all can't see this. This is a podcast. There are beads of sweat in the middle of my forehead and on my, on my nose. This man preached a fit for which we are deeply grateful. Thank you, sir.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Always good. Always good.
1: I want to thank our guest, Drew Hart, and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus who sees you from every angle. This Jesus who doesn't use the lens of race, Gender or political party affiliation to see your body or to prescribe it dignity and worth. Invite him to journey with you as your body's camera as you practice a discipleship of accountability. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. You can support the work and witness of the Raceless Gospel Podcast by giving to Good Faith Media please visit our website, goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep doing this body work. Head over to our fellowship hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gospel Pod on Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. On next week's episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast, we'll hear from William Lamar IV and talk about the politics of Jesus and the role of Christianity in the public square.